We are back. This is podcast episode 46. And uh, I want to do this one just kind of a follow-up um, on a couple of... We did a podcast uh, not too long ago, um, and it was regarding a couple guys that were struggling with uh, getting birds uh, to be retrieved. Um, and so I did get some follow-up on it. And I also got... A, we did a, a podcast not too long ago about gun-shy. Didn't we, do a pod, didn't we do a gun-shy? It was this guy, I think. So we had a guy that... Um, we went back and forth on some some things that he was struggling with um, as far as getting his dog um, conditioned to gun gunfire positively and, and in the right direction. So I want to give I've gotten some updates and I want to give you some updates. So let's start out with the gunfire one. Um, so he messaged me and he messaged me back. He said, "Now this is Wednesday. Last Wednesday I got the message. I'm trying to look back and see if it, when this thing started." Uh, October 10th. So it's only been 11 days. Um, and last week, Wednesday was the 16th. So it was six days. Um, and it's been another six days. So one week. Okay. And so his message back to me is, so far we've been able to step up to a 20 gauge at 15 yards with her steady by my side. She's hard nosed focused on that dummy with no reaction to the shot. Lots of progress. Exclamation point. So this is the one that we were talking about Prior to this, they were using a 22 blank, um, which to me, a 22 blank has a little more crack. Um, it's a little bit audibly, it's a little bit more of a, uh, of a, a snapping sound. I'm not a real big fan on it. Um, I do use a little starter pistol with 22 blanks. Um, I use two different styles. One's called an acorn uh, cap, which is really muffled. Um, that's a great way to start them out. Um, I like, I, prior to me using that, I used to use a 410. I think the 410 shotgun is a little bit less cracked than the 22. Um, I always started at great distances. Um, this, was the, this was the conversation that we had where he was using the, the gunfire, the 22 blank, at his side. And he was muffling it, which is good, but he was the source of the noise and he was firing it the second the dog or just prior to the dog getting to the retrieve. And I, I, rec I, I cautioned the idea of, first off, I don't think you should be the source. Um, I think that is your dog trusts you and wants to be by you and you should be a rock for your dog, especially when it's in situations that become a little hairy. I don't want to be the source of the issue. And so I don't want to be the guy shooting the gun. And I certainly don't want to surprise the dog as it's about to get to a dummy. And his response back to me was, well, that, you know, there's a local gun dog trainer that that's how they do it every time. And so that's why I've been doing it that way. And I said, hey, man, it, different people do it different ways. And some find success and some don't. And I'm not going to say uh, this is the only way to do it. It's just the way I do it. And so I recommended him getting some help. Um, getting someone to do it at a distance. So it sounds like he's got he's worked his way close enough to be 15 yards away with a 20 gauge shotgun, and the dog is sitting by his side. Now I like to I like to connect that gunfire um, with with the flight of the bird. I like to pitch the dummy um, and have the shot ring out at that point because I go that that's more realistic. The dog has got to focus on on something. Um, the gunfire comes, but I'm right next to him and I've got my leash on them so they can't run, they can't bolt. They're, I feel like dogs, when I put a lead on a dog, I think it's almost like a, a blanket. I think it's like a, a little kid having that little safety piece. Um, 
So it sounds like he's finding a lot of progress in, in shifting his technique, um, which is excellent. And so I haven't responded back to him. I'm going to make a response back to him here today, later today. But I think my thought with it is, is I want to caution pace. You know, it's been, now it's been a week. Um, so it's been two weeks since the first issue. It's been a week since we talked. I think you have to be cautious at your pace. Um, you just, you just can't rush things with these dogs. And I think it's, 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 it's foolish for us to think we get overnight success. I think we're teased into it sometimes because sometimes things just, we get lucky. Um, and sometimes we get lucky and things happen and we go, oh, it's fixed. And I think it's really easy to go back and realize that as you go down the road, it's not fixed. It might have just happened to uh, the stars aligned that day. Things went well. And now your problem is back. And that can be real frustrating because it's an emotional roller coaster of struggle. You struggled. You probably struggled again. You probably struggled again. Then you reached out. Then you tried something. Then it worked. You got real high on that. And now it's back to not working. And you're going, man, now you're even maybe lower than you were before. So I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but I think you got, I'm cautioning to the idea of be patient. And, and so I'm going to go to the next one where the guy was struggling to get his dog to retrieve a bird. And he had gone through a lot of hold conditioning processes. However, he had never done it with a bird. And so the dog never picked up the bird and struggled when he was on the hunt. And I, my, my nutshell answer was you went from A to Z and you need to go from A to B and B to C and C to D. And eventually you get to Z and the bird was missing in that, that process, the, the use of a feathered bird, cold game, fresh killed game, warm, warm bird, you know, those types of things were, were not part of the training process. And ultimately, when you go to the very end, it doesn't connect all the dots. So it was less than a week later that I got a message back that he had done all that. And then he went out in the marsh and he shot a bird and the dog went out to it and did pick it up. And so I'm not surprised at that one bit because because he did it once or twice or maybe he did it four times in training in a row. That's not very much. And so the amount... I think what we're feeling sometimes is pressure based on the calendar as trainers. Um, I think we, we look at it and we go, it's October 21st. The flight is here. They're migrating. Uh, there's woodcock here. We have to go hunt this dog because they're only going to be here for two weeks. My, my thing is, is if you're not prepared for it, it doesn't matter if it's October 21st or June 3rd. If you're not ready, you're not ready. And so... Because the calendar dic is dictating some of our progress, it's going to create major issues if you allow it. So I don't care if it's October, November, December, and it's hunting season, and you feel that because you have a dog that's two years old or a year or eight months old or whatever age, doesn't matter, because it's falling in this window of the leaves are falling down, the wind is getting cool, it smells like fall, it looks like fall, Instagram is blowing up with pictures of guys with tracking with they found a deer last night. They shot a limited woodcock. They picked up a wood duck, uh, whatever, whatever it is, because that's the time of year you have to go out and do it with your dog. If you are not prepared for it, you better not do it. 
You just, and it's no shame on you. I'm not saying you've made a mistake. I'm saying you didn't prepare properly and that happens. But because you didn't prepare properly doesn't mean you can speed train for a week and have a fix. Now, this guy's making nice progress with his, with his dog on the gunfire. The other, the other example I'm talking about went out back into the marsh. And I'm not saying don't bring the dog on the hunt. Don't send the dog on a retrieve. I would not send the dog on a retrieve. We're trying to ram our head through a hole. We're trying to take a square peg and shove it into a round hole. And you can't have it fixed in four days. Or we just won't need to prepare for any training. We could just wait till the week before the season starts. I mean, I have not bow hunted this year yet. It's October 21st. I'm hunting for a show called North American Whitetail. I haven't been in a tree stand. Why is that? Well, lots of different reasons. One of the primary reasons is because I got a new bow this year. And I have not shot it enough to be confident to go out in the stand. I'm starting this week. I started last week. I'll do it this week and I'll do it next week. And by the end of that three weeks, I feel like I'll be confident enough. And it's not like I'm learning how to shoot a bow. It's I'm just getting used to this one. I'm just getting comfortable with my anchor point. I'm getting confident with the flight of the arrow. I shot it and within 15 minutes I was grouping, you know, I was grouping in the size of a, uh, not a 50 cent piece, but two, twice the size of a 50 cent piece. I was grouping three arrows at 20 yards consistently every time. Now, that is a lot different than getting in the stand and shooting a deer. So it's not like I can't shoot it, but I realize I'm not ready to go shoot that, that bow at a deer because I've only shot it 15 or 20 times. They've all been good, but I'm not ready to go hunting yet because I don't feel that confident with my anchor. I don't feel that confident with exactly the way it's going to feel when this, when my nose touches the tip of the string and where my anchor is right now, it's just a little bit different than what I'm used to um, from last year's bow, uh, where I anchor to my cheek. And the draw back on it is super smooth, but it's smoother than last year's bow. So I got to, where I get, where I hit that wall with it and it lets off, I got to do it a little bit more so I don't over pull it and all of a sudden make a noise when I draw him back. I got, I got a lot of work to do before I feel confident going out in the woods. But it's October 21st. I got to hunt. It's hunting season. I should have been hunting. Some mentality will say, go no matter what. If you're not prepared, don't go. I, what? Who cares? Who cares if it's October 21st? You know how much hunting season I got left? I got plenty. And so the idea of you, because the, it, it's a certain point in the calendar or the week or your vacation schedule dictates where your dog should be in training, not, on the, not if you haven't gotten them there. And so you can't prepare just because it's October 21st doesn't mean I should pick up a bow, shoot it three times and go sit in the woods because it's hunting season. It also means that if I've got a hole in my training, it doesn't mean I go hunt because the hole is there. The, the, the hole is going to need to be filled before you're able to put everything together in the field. And the problem with that, the, the, the issue that can come up is when you're out in the field hunting and those holes are there, there's no, typically no way for you to say, all right, everybody stop. Um, we're going to turn this into a training exercise. 
because there's just too many other things going on. And even if you're by yourself, you don't control the birds. You don't control if that bird got crippled. You don't control if that bird sailed. You don't control if that bird dropped stone dead. You don't control if it's super windy and blows the bird out. You don't control. There's so many things you don't have control of. So going into the field is transitioning from your training and your training needs to be 100% controlled and you maintain that control from the start. So I want I want you guys, I want to say this because I want everyone to take a deep breath with me and I want everyone to relax a little bit because just because it's middle of October doesn't mean you're missing out on anything with your dog. If the dog's not prepared, don't go. Prepare for it. And you know what? Even better, maybe. Take the pressure off completely and go, next year at this time, we are going to be clicking on all eight cylinders. Next year? You're going to make me wait a year? Yeah. Yeah. Two and a half years old, Spry is. Uh, she'll be three in December, so she's more than two and a half years old. I, I get in these little six-month ruts. I, you know, she turned two and a half in this summer, and I say she's two and a half. She's nearly three. She's nearly three years old. Ellie's turned four in September, so Ellie's four. Uh, both of them are having their first real true, what I consider a real true hunting season. Um, Spry has transitioned into it beautifully. Ellie has hunted with me a year prior. Um, it just we tra- I considered it transition. We didn't really, really, truly hunt her um, to the degree that I am this year. This year, I trust her. I really trust her in a lot of respects. But she also picked up her first giant Canadian geese last week, and we're going to show a post on that because she struggled. We're going to post it on our Facebook. Uh, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, I, I thought about it. I'm going to have, I got Wonder Boy here, Ben. I'm going to have him edit it up for me. Um, we shot a double. So, yeah, man, we, why start out with a single? Let's do a double. That's because it was the hunt, and we didn't control it. So it was a double. Trust me, it wasn't the first time she picked up a double in her life. It was, however, the first time she picked up a double in the wild. It was, however, the first time she picked up a goose that was alive and ran away from her and pecked the hell out of her when she picked, tried picking it up, fought her. So all of that stuff was uncontrolled, but we it, she's four years old. And I've done a lot of stuff with her to lead her up to it and prepare her as best I could, and I still couldn't prepare her for everything. But we had enough that she got through it. But I want to show it to you because I'm going to have Ben edit it up for me. And I'm going to give you the Instagram version, which is really pretty. Nice lines, hunted, used her nose to seek it out, handled a little bit, picked up the bird and brought it back to me, held it and delivered it. One was bigger than her and one was a little bit smaller than her. I mean, they were big birds. So we shot a double and she made two nice retrieves. I'm going to show you that. And then I'm going to show you what really happened. Because she came off of that wounded bird three times because she just couldn't get it up the gumption to pick up a bird that wanted to fight her and she was afraid to and I had to send her back so I used a go back command and she went back to it and she struggled and the the wing was nearly falling off the bird had a broken wing and there's a other than that the bird wasn't hurting that bad so she put up a pretty big struggle to figure out how in the hell am I gonna pick this thing up and get it back to dad and she quit on me a couple times, and I sent her back, and she did it again, and she did it again, she did it again, and finally she struggled. And then she picked one up that was so big she could barely get it through the corn stalks. We're talking about a 44-pound dog retrieving a 22-pound bird. You, you go pick up something 50% of your weight with your mouth and carry it through 
a, 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 a slashing of, of woods that are cut off the size of, it's six feet tall and bring it back in your mouth. Man, we ask a lot of these dogs and we don't realize that how difficult some of the stuff is. But I could show it to you and make it look like it was easy peasy, no problem, my dog's the best. Or I'll show it to you like we trained our asses off for a couple of years and we experienced something for the first time and she struggled with it a bit, but through my encouragement and my faith in her and her willingness to say, Dad, I'll do it. When you ask me to do it, I'm going to do it. She got through it. I'll show it to you both ways. But I also think the last thing I need to do with a dog that's struggling to pick up a goose is take him out goose hunting and send him on a goose. Send him after a retrieve with a goose. Can't do it. They're not ready. And I don't care how old they are and I don't care what the date is. So little Spry turning three years old is really coming into her, her own as an upland dog. Oh my God, I had so many good memories that, uh, that I'll never forget with her working by herself this last weekend, getting birdie, working into an area under control, flush, I shoot, I miss. <laughs> Lots of that. We connected once in a while. She made retrieves when, when the time was right. But she's three. And last year she wouldn't have been ready to do it, so we didn't do it. Last year she was two. Year before that she was one. A lot of guys are hunting dogs at eight months old because their neighbor did. And and if they're not prepared, I'm not saying you can't do it. If your dog's prepared for it, go for it. But I think what you're going to find is a lot. I'm going to get a lot of messages from the people with the eight month olds, the ten month olds, the twelve months old, the twelve month olds that are having an issue because it was October 21st and they had to go hunting, and their dog wasn't ready for it. So. Be patient. There is no rush to do anything with them. You're, it, it, particularly if you're training your dog yourself, which most of you are listening to this are training your dog yourself. You're not, you're not listening to this podcast about training a dog and then sending it off because you should be listening to that person because that person should be training you as much as they do your dog. So unless you're one of our, one of our friends that we're training a dog for, um, you're probably not. So, so you need to, you need to embrace it no differently than I do, and and with an understanding of, we're gonna get the stuff done that we need to get done before we put them in a position to get into trouble. And if you do, I think you're gonna find yourself um, really, really finding a lot of success in the end. And and it's a lot more fun, and it's a lot less frustrating. And you'll send me a lot less questions. So maybe I don't want everyone to do that because then no one will ask questions. But I'm sure we're going to get enough questions no matter what. But I just, I want people to understand, um, don't let the calendar dictate your progress. Um, your progress needs to dictate your progress. And where it falls on the calendar, just you work with it that way. Get your, get your stuff done now. And if next October 21st, you do you do it next October twenty first. You're gonna be in the, you're gonna be feeling really good about things instead of December. You have doubts because you go, oh man, I'm at major issues, and then January you go, oh man, really major issues, and then you go, ah, it's February. I'm going ice fishing, and then it's March and I'm gonna go shed hunting, and then it's May, June, July, and we're going to the cabin, and then all of a sudden September is gonna roll around, and you're, it's early goose season, and you're gonna go, oh. I got to start working on that again because it's September. It just doesn't work that way. It, it, unfortunately, we can't 
we can't cram with dogs. Uh, dogs need to study the whole time. Um, so that's it for now. I want to caution you guys. Don't let the calendar dictate your training. Don't let the calendar dictate your hunts. Um, it's all sequenced. It's all connected. It's all linked together. Um, and the calendar or the date or the time or your dog's birthday uh, have zero influence in that. Uh, so, so keep it in mind. That was episode 46. Thank you guys for listening. Um, review us, man. Do, do, the, do the reviews if you would. Whatever, whatever app you're listening on. I, I'm an Apple guy, so I use the Apple iPod or what is it called? Podcast, Podcast app. Yeah. Um, there's lots of different apps out there. Um, our website is a way that, I mean, you can listen to it from our website. But wherever it is, if you would, be willing to uh, rate it and give us a review. Um, and then if you're interested in any of the other stuff that we have out there, um, our our other social platforms are good good places to start, I think. It's Dogbone Hunter. Dogbone Hunter is everything. It's at YouTube. It's our Facebook. It's our Instagram. Um, if you would do me one favor, uh, I don't. I try not to ask a lot of favors, but if you do me one favor, um, share it with share share this uh, or or us with someone that you think might need help. Um, our goal is to help as many people as possible. I can only train so many dogs. I won't be able to train every dog I want to, but I think I can help a lot of people, and these are tools that allow it. And so, if you would think into your Rolodex of folks that have dogs that are struggling, and I don't care what they're struggling with, if it's, it doesn't have to be hunting stuff, um, it could be taking the dog for a walk. I was at a soccer game yesterday and I saw some really pathetic dog walking. Um, I saw dogs on with harnesses and bungee cords connected to them and they dragged people down the road and it, uh, I struggled to watch it. So it might be that person and that person did not look like they were a hunter to me. Um, and that's okay but they're not gonna get the most out of their dog. So if you would, share it with someone that might get some benefit out of some of, the, some of our information, some of our content, following along with some of our stuff. Uh, it'll also help create a bigger base for people to ask questions. And that's kind of one of the ways we drive this podcast is um, people giving us questions, giving us feedback. Um, and that way we can customize to help, it, help them more specifically. So that's it. 46 is in the books. We'll keep cranking these out as long as you guys keep listening and giving us the feedback. So thank you so much, and we'll talk with you soon.